Live by every word. That is the challenge and the opportunity the Bible gives to you. This program examines the actual words that have proceeded out of the mouth of God Himself so we can use them to guide our paths and live by them in our everyday lives. This is Live by Every Word. Thanks for joining me today here on Live by Every Word. This is Trumpet Radio 101.3 KPCG, and we're online at kpcg.fm, and we also have a live link at thetrumpet.com as well. All of our podcasts are available at those locations or wherever you like to get your podcasts. God has a master plan that he is working out, and that's a wonderful truth to know because when we look at the world, there's a lot of uh, confusion and and worry and concern because of some of the severe problems that we see occurring, and they seem to be escalating. But there is an overall plan that God has, and he does, of course, reveal uh, much prophetically and uh, what to look at and what to look for in the uh, events that are happening now. But then there's a big overview as well. There's a plan for mankind. And uh, that plan is revealed in his holy days. He has seven annual festivals where he shows what his plan is for mankind, shows the future for mankind. And the first festival is Passover. And that reminds us every year that Christ died for the sins of all of mankind. The Bible shows that all have sinned, Christ being the only person to never have sinned as a human being. And, but everyone else has, and so we need Christ's sacrifice. Christ's sacrifice is essential for salvation. God's second festival is the Feast of Unleavened Bread. And this picture is putting sin out of our lives and replacing it with the unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. 1 Corinthians 5 and verse 8 talks about that. God reminds us with that festival that sin has to be eliminated from our lives and has to be replaced by obedience to his laws. Adam and Eve, the parents of all of mankind, they disobeyed God. You can read about that history in Genesis. And because of their sin, mankind on the whole was cut off from having access to God and access to his Holy Spirit. And so there was a 7,000-year plan that God put in motion. 7,000 years. And the first 6,000 years, God gave to man to prove some pretty basic and essential truths. And uh, one of the main ones being that only God's law and government work. There's no other way to, to do anything uh, and have success. Man's tried a lot of different governmental systems. They've all failed. There's different laws that, that historically have been in place, and, and they haven't worked, especially if they're not God's laws. Sometimes man's laws are derived from God's laws, and there's some good in that. But man's ideas, his systems, his way of doing things, it doesn't work. Only God's law and God's government works. But people don't often believe that until they experience the fruits of rejecting that law and government, which is what we see today and what mankind has seen throughout our 6,000-year history cut off from God. The first 6,000 years there given to man to prove that essential truth, only God's law and government work. Mankind, under the sway of Satan, has only produced division, failed governments, wars, famines, just a myriad of problems. In Matthew 24, you can look and see where Christ showed there that if he did not return, 
and intervene at the end of the 6,000 years of man's rule, then mankind would end in annihilation. Then mankind would end by annihilating himself. And we have the weapons of mass destruction to do that even today. We tend not to think about it too much because it's a very difficult thing to think about. But it's the truth. There's a lot of weapons of mass destruction that could uh, wipe out man. So God has a plan, thankfully. And we have to understand that. And it's essential that we understand God's holy days and his, that festival plan that he has so that we can understand that plan for mankind. So where are we now in God's plan? Where are we in this plan that God has? Well, today we are in the church age. We're in the time period that's called the church age. What is that about? Well, let's learn a little bit more about this church age and what God is doing. It's very encouraging, even though it's happening in a, a negative context of this world. This is a quote from the Herbert W. Armstrong Bible Correspondence Course. This is a quote from the Herbert W. Armstrong College Bible Correspondence Course. It's a free course at thetrumpet.com. You can sign up for that, and uh, we encourage you to do so if you haven't done that before. It's an excellent course to go through. But here's a, here's a quote. It says, God is not working through isolated prophets nor through independent Christians. Rather, he is working through a small group of thousands of spirit-begotten humans organized and unified by his laws, his government, and his truth. God's church is the means by which God is now preparing this world for Christ's return. It is through God's church that he is preparing the future rulers and teachers of his kingdom. God has laid the foundation. He is now beginning to build the kingdom of God through his church today. And so that's what God is doing in this church age. He is preparing through his church the future rulers and teachers of his kingdom. He wants to expand his family. He wants to expand it out and to include, hopefully, um, everyone. I mean, there will be some, unfortunately, that reject God's way, but most will accept it when they're called and be part of that family. So he needs a government structure. He needs teachers. He needs rulers. And those people are being trained today during this church age. The first fruits of salvation are pictured by God's third annual festival, the Feast of First Fruits, or it's called Pentecost. It goes by that name as well. That's the third annual festival. And again, every one of those festivals shows part of God's plan of salvation for mankind. God's people today are preparing to help teach others the truth of God. That's why they're being educated today. That's why they're getting practical experience in this life of applying God's law and government so that they can then go and teach others and encourage others and help others. So there's a lot to be uh, excited about that's occurring right now in this church age, even though, again, there's a lot of negative things happening in the world as a whole. But we can notice when and how this church age began after his resurrection, Christ met several times with his disciples, and he instructed them and taught them, and he gave them some important instructions. And we can notice one of these instructions here in Luke 24 and verse 49. We have a few scriptures today, so if you have a Bible handy, it would be good to get it out. We could look at these together. 
Luke 24 and verse 49, Christ said, And behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you, but tarry you in the city of Jerusalem until you be endued with power from on high. And so here Christ was promising to send the Holy Spirit to them. Uh, They would be empowered by God's Spirit to be able to follow Christ's direction, to do God's work. And they needed that power. This promise was fulfilled. And we read about the fulfillment of this in Acts 2. And we'll look at the first six chapters there. And this is describing that day of Pentecost and what happened there after Christ's death and then resurrection. Acts 2, verses 1 through 6. It says, And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And so we, we see here, just uh, as at the beginning of this passage, that God's people were keeping the day of Pentecost. And this is after Christ died and was resurrected. They were keeping Pentecost. They were still keeping it. And so we keep it today. But they kept it. Christ told them to keep it. And true Christians keep Pentecost today. Verse 2, it says, And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as of fire, and it sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. And we'll notice what that uh, means here. It says, verse 5, And there were dwelling at Jerusalem Jews, devout men, out of every nation under heaven. Now when this was noised abroad, the multitude came together and were confounded, because that every man heard them speak in his own language. So this, this miracle here wasn't a situation of just rambling incoherently and babbling on, as some people think. They were teaching and instructing, and people heard them and understood them in their own language. There were different people there from different locations that spoke different languages. And they could all understand. They could all hear it and understand it. That was the miracle being presented, not uh, just babbling. So there's there's a lot to think about there because people do look at these scriptures and misapply them and misunderstand them. But we have to look and see, well, what does the scripture actually say? They understood it. They understood what was being said. So there was uh, foreign languages that were happening. So this miracle occurred on the day of Pentecost. How come we don't hear more about Pentecost today? How come people don't keep it? For the most part, they don't. How come? People that, again, they say, well, you know, they're, they're Christian. Well, Christ kept Pentecost. Here he told his disciples to keep Pentecost, and they did. And true Christians today keep Pentecost as well. Notice this quote from the correspondence course. It says, The day of Pentecost is the third annual festival given to ancient Israel. Its Old Testament name was the Feast of First Fruits, since it came at the end of the first or spring harvest. You can read more about that in Exodus 23 and verse 16 and Numbers 28 and verse 26. It was also called the Feast of Weeks, since it came seven weeks after the first Sunday after Passover. That's in Deuteronomy 16, verses 9 through 10, and verse 16. And then the quote continues and says, Since it was also the 50th day of the spring harvest season, Greek-speaking Jews and Christians called it Pentecoste, which means 50th. So there's a, you know, a few different names here, but we're talking about this same day, this third annual festival. Pentecost AD 31 marked the beginning 
of God's Spirit begotten New Testament church. So we're again, we're talking about being in the church age today. This is when that began, Pentecost A.D. 31. Ecclesia, that's the Greek word for church, means an assembly of called out ones. The whole world, this quote says, is not called out. Only a tiny minority are called out for a special purpose. And this is pictured by the annual festival of Pentecost. So when people think about a church, sometimes they think about a building. This isn't a building. This is a group of people. It means an assembly of called out ones, ecclesia. And there's a small group that's called out, and these people obey God. They have his government, they have his laws, and God is teaching them how to follow that government, how to apply it, how to live by his laws. And the whole purpose for learning that today is to then teach others. It's not a selfish endeavor, it's a selfless endeavor. It's going to help the whole world. And I think we could all agree that the world needs a new government, doesn't it? And it needs God's law. So it doesn't need more ideas from human beings. It needs God's ideas. It needs God's truth. Man's tried about everything they can think of. It hasn't worked. We need God's government. We need God's laws to be applied and followed. And so God has to call people out of this world and into his church. It's not open to just anybody. God makes that decision. He calls those that he can work with. You can look at John 6 and verse 44 to see that truth. Again, that's something people don't talk about a lot. They, uh, they think, well, you know, anybody can come to a, a church or whatever. Well, God has to call people out into his church. He has to do the calling. He has to do the calling. And so it's vitally important that we understand that. That's what the Bible says. That's what Christ said in John 6 and verse 44. But the thing is, again, even though it's a small group called out today, the purpose is to eventually call everyone. There's a small spring harvest. There's a large harvest in the autumn of the year as well. And God has holy days corresponding to those seasons that teach about this plan. Eventually, all people will have a chance to know God's truth and apply it and grow and develop God's character and be born into his family. But today... Only a few are called out in this church age. That's where we are in God's plan. We're in this church age today. And again, this is pictured by the fact that in the spring, there's only a small first fruit harvest when it comes to agriculture. We can understand that. In the autumn, there's a massive harvest to be brought in. Well, God's calling a few today to help bring in that huge fall harvest. That's God's plan. And we're in that church age today, preparing people to help Christ bring in that huge harvest. Notice this here in James 1 and verse 18. James 1 and verse 18. It says, Of his own will begat he us with the word of truth. I mean, we're not born yet, just begotten. Begat he us with the word of truth, that we should be a kind of first fruits of his creation. So today, God's Spirit begotten people are first fruits, not born again. See that we're not spirit yet. We're not composed of spirit. We're still flesh and blood humans. But those that God has called out and that He's working with and are baptized, they're given a down payment of that spirit. Spirit begotten. 
just like what happened there on that Pentecost in 31 AD that we read about in Acts 2. They didn't turn into spirit. They didn't. They weren't born again at that point. What happened is they got a down payment of God's spirit. They were begotten by God's spirit. And that's the same today for those that God is calling out. John 6 and verse 44, the Father has to call people. He has to make a decision there. And then those people, again, if they, if they heed that calling, then they receive that, that down payment of God's spirit. And they're begotten. And then they begin to grow, and they begin to develop more of God's character, ultimately to be born. So it's really a wonderful picture that God gives us there through his Holy Day plan. And uh, we're in that church age time period right now. That's where we are in history. Notice Romans 8 and verse 9. It says, But you are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if so be that the Spirit of God dwell in you. Now, if any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he is none of his. See, to be a true Christian, we have to have God's Spirit leading us, and we have to be following that. Now, again, that doesn't mean that we're not composed of flesh anymore and we're actually spirit beings. It doesn't say that. But it means we're to be living a life that follows God's Spirit. We're not just following the carnal pulls of the flesh, but following the Spirit of God that leads us. And so that we're begotten and we're growing if we've been called and if we've accepted that calling and, and been baptized and, you know, repent and be baptized. That's, that's the admonition that was given. And uh, God's people have done that throughout the years. So to be a true Christian, to be part of this ecclesia, this called out group, we have to be led by God's spirit. Romans 8 verse 9 is clear on that. God's people must be led by God's spirit. And there are some that have had God's Spirit, and then they don't follow its lead. And eventually, if, if they're not careful, they can lose it. So uh, it's a situation where there has to be continual growth, and we have to let God's Spirit lead us. God's Spirit leads his first fruits to obey his law and support his work. And the church or the body of Christ is unified and not divided. There's not a bunch of different groups out there. It's one church. It's one group. It's one body of Christ. And we can understand that as well. If a body is not working together, then it's, it's a, the person's got a lot of problems. They're not effective. The correspondence course says, On the day of Pentecost, A.D. 31, God sent his spirit to begin his church, to beget and strengthen the first fruits. He was beginning to call into his church. But God is not a respecter of persons. See, this isn't... This isn't uh, something where God's playing favorites. Everyone's going to have a chance. You can read about that in Acts 10 and verse 34. God's not a respecter of persons. So the question then is, why are some called now? Well, as the correspondence course points out, some today are given the Holy Spirit so they can understand the truth. And the reason is that God is calling first fruits to train them to train them so they can aid in the salvation of the world. This is a, a, an opportunity for those that God is calling to be trained to help other people, to help other people. So God's not, you know, being, um, again, playing favorites here or, or you know, just uh, only thinking about us one little group. He's thinking about everybody. 
but he has a plan of salvation for mankind. And in this church age, it's a small group that he's calling so that they can help him then bring in that large harvest. And so today, when we look at this world, we do see terrible destruction occurring and accelerating just about every day when we turn on the news. But at the same time, there is an incredible creation occurring. God is preparing his first fruits. That's, that creation is happening right now. The world doesn't really see that. They don't look at that. But that's what's happening. God's first fruits are developing the very character of God. Being trained in God's law and government today for the purpose of helping bring the rest of mankind into the very family of God. Again, during that great fall harvest period. We're in the church age today. And this church age is full of many tests and trials, but much incredible work, foundational work, is being accomplished in God's first fruits during this church age as well. It's an exciting time period and really a special time for God's church as they prepare, as we prepare, to help bring in all of mankind into God's kingdom and family. That's all the time we have for today on this edition of Live by Every Word. If you'd like to learn more about God's plan of salvation for mankind, we have a great book, Pagan Holidays or God's Holy Days, which that's free at thetrumpet.com. And of course, please sign up for the Herbert W. Armstrong College Bible Correspondence Course. It's free. It's an educational service, and it's at thetrumpet.com. Thank you for spending some of your time with me. I'm Dwight Falk. Until next time, let's all strive to more perfectly live by every word of God. You've been listening to Live by Every Word on Trumpet Radio 101.3 KPCG and online at kpcg.fm and thetrumpet.com.